What's up, guys? This is Effie. And this is Biz. And welcome back to the Bro Taco Podcast. And on today's episode, we have something really special, something we're really, really excited to talk about with you guys. I am really excited about this topic, and I personally think that like this is going to be one of our favorite episodes that we've been recording thus far, uh, for one reason, because we're going to talk about video games in this episode. Yes, this is going to be our first episode about video games, and without further ado, this episode will be about dun dun dun, dun the evolution of RPGs. Yay! Yeah. Okay, so in order to further progress down the road of the evolution of RPGs, we will start with what we believe to have been not the predecessor, but the stage set, like setter for what RPGs are today. It is a game called Colossal, Ga- Colossal Cave Adventure. And we're traveling all the way back to about 1980. Back to the time where consoles were just becoming a thing and computers were starting to become more and more popular. And in this time, um, computers weren't known to play actual games they were mostly like you know just to for work to make spreadsheets and stuff like that so colossal cave adventure was uh, maybe like a little ancestor of rpgs nowadays the rpgs that we know and love today um so the thing about computers back in the day you know um they, there was not there wasn't any uh, extended storage drives or anything like that you know whatever um, what, what do you call it KBs megabytes the computer came with that's what you got yeah so what is colossal cave adventure it's an adventure game it's an adventure choice interactive game what kind of interactive game a texting interactive game so what this means is that there were no graphics. You're basically just reading the story and just using your imagination to traverse through this world that the game would give you. For example, uh, you would come up to like a point in the game where the game would tell you there is a door in front of you. What would you like to do? And you could t- just type in what you wanted to do. For example, just say open door turn away from the door and stuff like that and depending on your choice the game would give you an outcome something as simple as opening said door could lead you to your very death and from then on it's up to you um i'm i'm not sure if the game gave you an option to just come back i think it did i i guess that was its first own checkpoint um but i do know that at certain moments you weren't able to come back you had to start from the very beginning and that sucks yeah, <laughs> imagine having to like start over a, a whole adventure imagine just being towards the end and just having to start it over exactly there was no such thing as autosave back in the day <laughs> so that's where um you know it started off as it was colossal cube adventure one of the few games that came after that was called it's called I hope I'm pronouncing this right. <laughs> it's pronounced um, a Calibeth World of Doom. <laughs> Good, nice try. I don't know. <laughs> I apologize. So, yeah, um, this is another one of the first games um, that came out, you know, back in the day. Um, one of the original RPGs. This one actually came with graphics, though. Um, it was one of the first games that came out in the Apple II computer. 
Yes. And, but during this time, these computers weren't nearly as strong as the computers nowadays. Yeah. So the graphics, they looked, they were just pretty simple, just lines, you know, trying to form a picture, very rough looking, very choppy. Uh, these games definitely, I will say, did not age well. <laughs> if you play it nowadays, it's it's nothing compared to like games nowadays like Final Fantasy 15 or, you know, just another RPG nowadays. So... Yeah, and um, it sure it, it is very unfortunate that these games did not age well, but they are very important when it comes to playing RPGs because they are the predecessors. Uh, this this game was one of the earliest known examples of a role playing game, and it actually happens to be the predecessor of the Ultima games. The Ultima games opened many doors for RPGs that we know and love today. Um, for example, the first Ultima game. Um, it's one of the most established computer RPGs in the world, you know? Um, it provides an open world, you're able to equip different weapons and armors, and you're actually able to go out and complete quests! Something you were not able to do in Colossal Cave Adventure. Yeah, so this game kind of like, um, just take a game that you, like, an RPG in your head, just take that and just replace it with like stick figures and asterisks and stuff like that. Yeah. That was Ultima right there. And even though, you know, it, even this game still, like it did not age well. It's very simple looking, but like it's it very important to acknowledge the how much it contributed to RPGs nowadays. This was basically the, one of the first RPGs that like Effie said, it had an open world where you know you could actually go out and explore into like the waters the villages towns even like just a forest and like that's awesome you know like me personally i love rpgs for the simple fact of exploration things that you can like just come up into the game and just be like oh there's a treasure chest hey there's a hidden village here hey there's a side quest here basically that's what ultima opened up um, to its audience you know just like this is the adventure and you're the one that's going to take the adventure exactly and um, skipping ahead to ultima 3 um this one also did a lot for modern rpgs a lot it opened many doors for games that we play and enjoy today um one of the few important things that it offered to us is making things like party-based combat and time travel a sort of standard uh, it's kind of crazy to think that I can travel in Ghost of Tsushima because of Ultima 3. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that I do, like, like about um, Ultima 3 is the fact that, like, it kind of, like... Because um, back then, you know, like, the RPGs, they want to establish the fact that, like, you know, hey, you're the hero, you know? And, like, games before Ultima 3 pretty much just let you do whatever you want. If you want to loot someone, loot a village, you know, it will let you. And there wouldn't really be a consequence to it. You know, you just do it because, you know, you're. it's an adventure. You know, you're mm -hmm. just doing what you want. Mm -hmm. But Ultima 3, like, incorporated, uh, like, you having a conscience in this game. So if you looted a village, then that village was basically, like, hating you. And every other village would hear about it and would not want to sell things to you. So you were essentially, like, is like taking on the role of a hero. Um, I gotta stop you right there, though. Ultima 3 actually was not the Ultima game that introduced pretty much giving the player a conscience behind, behind their avatar and the decision-making that their avatar made. That was actually Ultima 4. 
Ultimate 4 became a stage setter for RPGs that would essentially give players a conscience for their avatars in the RPG that they're playing by giving them, you know, the choices to do something and be directly affected by that choice, whether it be good or bad. Ultima 4, that was its job. Well, thank you for correcting me. Yeah, trust me, I, I just barely found this out myself. But um, either way, it's just putting the whole Ultima um, games into perspective. They did a lot for us today, you know, as RPG players, you know. Um, it's it's really insane thinking about it. Like, I, I just, it's so crazy. Like, I do wish the Ultima games were a bit more appreciated. What I would want is maybe, like, you know, just by chance or just... Maybe I'm just being hopeful, but, like, maybe one day someone can just, like, remake these Ultima games just take it apart and just build it up again you know in modern day mm-hmm. i think that would be really awesome and like would like help a lot of people like understand where this genre started from and how far it's come not just the game itself but like what it did to future games exactly because without games like these we wouldn't have some of the more known advanced rpgs that we have today you know like you know the final fantasy games and stuff. The Final Fantasy games, they play a very important part in, you know, the world of RPGs. You know, they have become essentially the modernized Ultima. They. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because uh, the Final Fantasy games, they were actually inspired by the Ultima series. Absolutely. Isn't that how the first, um... yeah, that was how the first Final Fantasy game came to be. It was, mm-hmm. it it was, was inspired yeah. by Ultima. That's so crazy. Yeah, definitely. And like what I do, like, um, I think it's kind of funny because like they were so inspired by it that like if you put them next to each other, Final Fantasy, the original Final Fantasy is just an upgraded version of Ultima, like with better graphics or better for its time. Yeah, you know? yeah, for its time. Did you ever get to play the original Final Fantasy? I did, I did. Um, I actually like, I know it kind of sounds like kind of lame, but I actually played it on my phone. I played the mobile <laughs> version of it because at that time, well, you know, growing up, I didn't really have much access to like these games and stuff like that. You know, I didn't really know about them that much. So, um, I like when Final Fantasy came out on the, on the iPhone a couple years ago, uh, I was like very like, all right, let's go. Yeah. And it's it's really fun, you know, just uh, being able to play a, a game like that old. You know, fun fact, um, the Final Fantasy series, when America got them, we didn't get them in order. <laughs> Oh, really? I yeah. didn't know that, actually. Yeah, like, um, I don't know the exact information or the exact numbers, but for example, uh, you know, I believe that we did get the original Final Fantasy, but then after that, you know, things got it, like, a bit complicated because, you know, Japan cut, kept pumping out these games, or I should say Squaresoft started pumping out these games, and, like, by the time they were at their, like, fifth game, we were only on our second one. And the second one was, wasn't even the second one in the series. It was, like, <laughs> the fourth one. Oh, my God. That's so funny. So, it was pretty bad. Um, yeah. We pretty much, like, caught up to Japan once Final Fantasy VII came out. Yeah. I, speaking of Final Fantasy, actually, we should, um, we know, we've had our conversation about Ultima. Let's move on to Final Fantasy. Let's uh, start off by actually talking about Final Fantasy, the very first one. That was actually supposed to be the only one. Yes, so <laughs> if you didn't know, uh, Squaresoft, uh, now not, now um, known as Square Enix nowadays, um, 
they used to make video games, you know, as well in the 1980s when consoles were starting to become a thing. But the thing is, their games were up to par with people's mm-hmm. expectations, mm-hmm. let's say. So, pretty much, it got to the point where Squaresoft were just like, we need, you know, guys, we need to make a decision. We're not making enough money. People aren't buying our games. So, what, what should we do? And, you know, they decided, like, hey, let's just make one more game as a farewell to our fan base, to people that actually appreciate us and what we're trying to do here. And that game was Final Fantasy. Kind of poetic because the game itself kind of, like, explains what, like, the company was going through. It was their last fantasy game. But the thing is, Final Fantasy actually saved Squaresoft because it ended up becoming a major success and to this day it still is exactly dude like um i'm not gonna sit here and say i've played every single final fantasy game because i really haven't you know um embarrassingly enough you know i found out about the older final fantasy games through final fantasy dissidia and um you know i investigated more of the story you know i never actually got to play them though but um there's some beautiful, beautiful characters, you know, and I did see the the um, early style paintbrush animation before they became the 3D characters that we know and, you know, love. Um, so who is the person that Squaresoft needed help from so bad to make Final Fantasy a living thing, a living video game? His name was Yoshitaka Amano. He is an artist who used to draw characters for animes and mangas. Uh, he's really heavily into making that paintbrush-style character, right? Yeah, I think that style is actually pretty beautiful. Like, you know, and I, I'm not gonna, like, sit here and just be like, you know, like, hey, it's the most perfect thing ever. But, like, back in its time, it was, like, gave the game much more detail about who these characters are and even the monsters because the game itself, you know, it was basically, like, an 8-bit, 16-bit game. Mm-hmm. So everything, you know, like, looked like pixels and stuff like that but um amano's uh, paintings brought the game more like gave it more life you know like hey you know i know in the game you know this looks like a pixel but this is what it's actually trying to be you know through his painting and like these paintings have become so popular and like just spanned over all the the final fantasy games and like they're some of the most beautiful paintings I've ever I seen. I heavily encourage, if you guys haven't yet, just, I heavily encourage for you guys to just go on Google. You can even just type his name, Yoshitaka Amano, and, like, go on to images, and you can find so much of his artwork, and it is so fucking beautiful, dude. Like, it's insane. Like, the work he does, like, you know, and, um, that, that was it. That's what heavily inspired, like, his form of drawing was the fact that he was obsessed with the idea of creating a fantasy world all these fantasy like characters and stuff that came all from his imagination because that's that's what he likes i respect people that are able to do that too like that can just like create beautiful pieces of artwork just through their imagination and like with no form of references like no this came from their minds this world came from their minds and, and like just being able to turn that into art and like even going farther than that a video game it's beautiful yeah and i have so much respect for um yoshitaka because um because of the time and age that final fantasy came out in 
you could, he couldn't put his, you know, characters, his drawings into the game himself and have them look like that. They actually, as we all know, came out looking more on the short, stubby, pixelated version of his art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, he didn't hate it, though. Um, he actually thought it was pretty cute. He said um, it was really, really cute. That's what he said. He thought it was kind of cute. They were short stubby. It was cute. I mean, kind of like chibi things are like tend to be very cute. Yeah, yeah. But of course, as the years evolved, as we know, we are able to see more of his drawings come to life in their beautiful forms. You know, um, one of my favorites is Lightning from Final Fantasy Thirteen. I think she's freaking beautiful. And, and you know, like I said, they do look beautiful. And now the since it's more modernized, like you know, Final Fantasy Thirteen, Fourteen, Fifteen even 12 but oh man i'll just they'll never get as beautiful to me as the actual art the paintbrush style that he you know gives us it's it's so like it's a really like it's very like nice especially when you consider the fact that like at this day and age um everything's just you know computer generated everything's drawn on the computer or tablet so being able to just see someone just take a paintbrush and just create something like breathtaking as a piece of artwork it's honestly astonishing you know and like i feel like a lot of us um don't really appreciate that didn't really appreciate the art at that time you know because now we're just so used to everything being on a, a tablet or a computer um but you know i do like me personally i do appreciate like art books you know when like for example if you pre-order a video game and then like they send you like an art book mm-hmm. you know you get to see the original the sketches the concept art and stuff like that i love that Absolutely. and that's what the basically these paintings reminded me of you know early works of what the video game um or what led to the artwork of the video game you know mm-hmm. and it's like i said it's breathtaking you know just being able to like see this how this concept became a video game i think that's awesome absolutely um i agree and uh another one of uh the okay so <laughs> this one's gonna be a hella no-brainer because we all know and love kingdom hearts um <laughs> um the artwork for kingdom hearts is like insane and uh, the person behind Kingdom Hearts is actually the artist himself. And we all know him. We all love him. His name is... Tetsuya Nomura. <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, his artwork is just insane. I actually think um, he was the one that took over um, after Amano, isn't he? Mm-hmm. And, um, I believe so, actually. Yeah, Don't and like... That. Um, his artwork is very different from Amano's, whereas Amano's is very, like, paintbrush-style, very sketch-like, you know, a lot of, lot of rough lines. Uh, Nomura's style is more clean, you know, just very slick and, you know, just very stylish in yeah, a way. very straightforward, definitely. But, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, just being able to just create these artworks and then turn it into a video game yourself which is what Nomura did you know that's that's pretty amazing and like even to this day his artwork still like amazes me even to where he just keeps creating more and more games um you know back in like 2017 2018 you know like it's pretty awesome because he was like creating Kingdom Hearts 3 but at the same time uh, working on the Final Fantasy 7 remake that oh we have now God, yes. and both of games 
look amazing. Like you gotta think about it. Like Final Fantasy VII, back when did when did it come out? What it year? came out in 1997, the original. Yeah, and now in 2020, huge difference there, man. <laughs> it's fucking <laughs> it's so insane. Yeah, definitely. But you know, aside from all these obvious Square Enix games and stuff, you know, there's many more RPGs that deserve our loving, dude. Like. What are you playing? You're playing Xenoblade right now, right? I'm playing Xenoblade Chronicles 2 right now. And even then, like, just seeing this game, you know, like, this is a very... The Xenoblade series is a very open-world game, you know, where you just travel to all across these countries. Even, like, these um, things on, like, in Xenoblade Chronicles 2, uh, they're called Titans, which are these giant beings that humans live on. You know, and they, the way they just make them look is they're very huge mm-hmm. titans. And, like, just imagine, you know, like, these titans are the size of, like, the United States or even, a, like, a small little country like Australia, mm-hmm. you know? And they all just look so beautiful. I do want to take a moment to just, like, talk about another thing. Um, going back to the paintbrush style, another RPG that I um, am very in love with. I don't know if you ever heard of it. It's called um, The Child of Light. I believe it, it sounds familiar to me, yeah. Yeah, um, it was made by Ubisoft a couple of years ago, and um, that game as well, it's it wasn't, like, made on, a, uh, like, a computer or, you know, just, like, animated there. Um, everything is, is painted. Everything is in this game, from the characters to the, to the world, is hand-painted, and, like, it's so amazing. Because uh, just, like, again, going back to the, the whole thing of, like, you know, just being able to, like, paint uh, all these characters and just bring them to life in a video game. It's honestly, like, very, very beautiful. Mm. And, like, you just see all the little details in this game, like, just from the crows to the characters to even the background... Just making it look in a way like it's a 2D game, but in a way like if you pay attention to it, it almost looks three-dimensional. But you're right; it does look pretty three-dimensional. Sorry, I stayed quiet there for a sec. As we're actually looking at the picture, we're actually right looking now. at the picture right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, de- yeah, definitely go on Google Images and you can see it there. It's I could definitely see what he means. It actually does almost look three-dimensional. And like even the story of this game is very beautiful. If you have not played Child of Light, I highly recommend it. Like you basically can find that game anywhere. I actually played. Um, I originally played it on the Wii U. <laughs> oh, damn. Yeah, exactly. So I, play, I played this game back in like 2017, 2018, you know. And um, even now, it's still on the Nintendo console, the Nintendo Switch. And um, it's a game that I highly recommend, especially if you love RPGs. Such a beautiful game. Okay, beautiful how about sword. this? I'll play Child of Light, but you gotta play Skyrim. I mean, come on. How, how can you not play any of the Elder Scrolls games? Uh, simple. I didn't have the proper console at the time. <laughs> it's okay. I have Skyrim. You can play Skyrim. I even have the Elder Scrolls Online. You can try that too. Alright, and then you play uh, Child of Light. Deal. Alright, for sure. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> but what about you? What do you think of as far as RPGs or even artwork? You know, um, what's your opinion on them? 
my opinion on RPGs and artwork. Or, um, you know, just RPGs in general, you know. What's one RPG that um, that you absolutely love and, like, would recommend, not just because of the story, but for the artwork as well? Well, I mean, it's pretty obvious. Like, I would definitely recommend Skyrim. Like, you know, like, it came out back in 2012, um, and it was the fifth game in the Elder Scrolls installment. But this game is, you know... When you think about everything that Ultima did for the RPG universe, Skyrim has literally every single thing. The, time, the fast traveling, um, it, and uh, the time traveling part too. Not just fast traveling to like other cities or anything like that, but you can also like fast forward, you know, to a certain time if there's something you have to do around that time. Because certain quests um, that you need to do happen only at nighttime. Um, actually, one of my favorite ones, I believe, took place in the city of Windhelm in Skyrim. Um, it was a quest that you needed to do at nighttime, and it was actually pretty spooky, because we all know that in the city of Windhelm, it snows. It's really dark, and, you know, um, there's still pe- there's still NPCs, like, out and about and stuff, mostly the guards. Um, but one thing you had to do, I guess it was, like, a some sort of, like serial killer just kind of going around town and just killing like a bunch of like npc women it was super spooky but like oh man it had my adrenaline pumping because like at any moment like he could sneak up on me and try to kill me too yeah <laughs> like yeah and um, one of my favorite things to like upgrade as far as rpgs go is i love upgrading my stealth points i love you know the speech and the sneaking and all that stuff the thief like sort of thing so you know my sneak points were through the roof so like i actually never got caught but, uh, yeah, um, so, you know, Skyrim has, like, you know, all that stuff, and, um, you know, it has a bunch of side quests, which, I don't know, I was so in love with Skyrim back in the day, I was able to do every single one. I finished the story, the story pretty early on, but, uh, yeah, the side quests are very entertaining, you know, the stories are really good and phenomenal, you know, it was 2012 the art wasn't too great actually yeah. skyrim was known for being a really glitchy game but oh, yes, you know of course all the memes <laughs> but as a player you know you kind of just learn to find comedy in it it didn't really get in the way of um enjoying the game or anything you know because something as far as a glitch goes you know you shouldn't let it ruin the experience for you uh if you play skyrim today which you can get in um you know the playstation 4 um sure about how, how it works with xbox um i know it's on the switch as well yeah but yeah i know for a fact it's on the playstation 4 you can actually play it with mods and you know um mods in my opinion you know i wouldn't play the game with mods if it's your first time playing it for sure because it kind of just makes it kind of sidetracks you um i tried playing it i thought i was going to be able to play it again and I tried doing it with mods, and I was just completely distracted by all the bullshit happening around me. I was like, oh my god, you know what? Never mind. I'm not going to play the, the story again. I just had fun with mods, but um, I definitely recommend it to the audience. I mean, I'm sure a lot of you guys have played Skyrim already, but clearly the guy next to me hasn't. So I'm sure there's Hello. people out there that <laughs> haven't played it themselves oh, I either. I apologize to everyone listening. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, you guys can't see me, but I actually have a Skyrim tattoo as well. It was one of the first tattoos I've ever gotten. And yeah, I mean, to get a video game tattooed on you, you kind of have to have a lot of love for it, right? Uh, yeah, definitely. I recently got one as well. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right, your Kingdom Hearts tattoo. Yeah, and, but going back to our original topic, the evolution of RPGs, um, uh, another game that I do want to um, touch base on is my personal favorite 
video game of all time. Lufia. Lufia, The Legend Returns. And <laughs> he, can't, he always mentions it. My favorite video game of all time. Lufia. And the thing that I like about this game, like, as well, it kind of reminds me of Ultima as well, where it's, like, more of a top-down view, you know? Uh, Lufia is actually a, a dungeon crawler game, you know? But, like, the story is beautiful as well. And, um... One thing that I did love about this game is not just its um, its great story that it had, but the fact that like this game still managed to be a really good game for its the time that it came out. This game, this game, my favorite game, came out on the Game Boy Color. Jesus Christ, <laughs> so, I can only imagine. Yeah, that. so, you know, the Game Boy Color, you know, um, wasn't the strongest handheld game <laughs> of all time you know because nowadays we have like the the ps vita the nintendo 3ds i guess you could even consider the switch a handheld game yeah. but the game Boy color head as well has um a lot of limitations you know so the game as well uh like just like ultima or final fantasy uh the game just looked wasn't the greatest looking game of all time it had like the kind of like that Final Fantasy style where everything was just chibi but if you look at the actual artwork everyone's just tall strong with giant swords and like in the game they're just like pixelated stuff yeah <laughs> and, but I think that um, contributes to what makes a great RPG it doesn't have to look a certain way it doesn't have to play a certain way but it just feels right it feels like you're involved in the game it has a great story the game could look just just like ultima just look like stick figures and asterisks but as long as the gameplay and story just like had you involved in it i think that's what makes a great rpg absolutely because why do we get so invested in our rpgs and role-playing games you know um even like board role-playing games like dungeons and dragons why do we do it because of the story we get so lost in the story and everything that's going around you know that nothing else really matters and you know now that we in this day and age have even you know the privilege to make our own avatars and make our own decisions that, that impact life around us like that's why we play it you know and um you know even like a, another rpg that we're playing right now by bandai namco called code Vane. Mm-hmm. like i can't even fucking like explain how many times i've rage quit at that game I, like i tried getting back on it today and stuff and i was just like Oh, fuck i can't man like i hate this game like it's so it's hard a very difficult game oh, i'm not gonna God. lie it's really really difficult but you know i appreciate it so much because the story is really good and the character customization is insane dude they, oh, they yeah. give you so many options dude, i cannot it's so crazy how much like these video games like want you to be so involved with the character that you're creating that they make you just customize everything even from your hair to your body to the way your eyes look yeah. i think that's something very special it gets you so invested in this game that you end up spending so much time just customizing the Absolutely. character super duper guilty yes because i like to look cute while i'm kicking ass man i love making my um avatar but you know i'm not even gonna say look 
like me as much as possible because half the time that's not true. Uh, my avatars in, um, <laughs> in um, Code Vein and Monster Hunter could tell you that. But I just like looking cute while I'm kicking ass and stuff, you know? Um, one of the earlier RPGs that I played, Dragon Age, um, their character customization was not all that neat. But I do remember specifically Dragon Age 2. I, one thing I loved about that game so much... Um, Sure, the character customization for it was not 100% great either. But I do love it when your character is as involved in the story as the NPCs around you. Because, um, uh, for example, in Code Vein, your character, beautifully customized and everything, doesn't really get to say anything. Doesn't really say anything at all. It's just kind of, you know, considering that your character is um, the most important character in the series... You don't say much in it, and I don't really like that, to be honest. I, I'm sure there's other games, but I don't know any games right now besides Dragon Age 2 that had your character be 100% involved in what was going on that, you know, you were even able to talk. You were able to pretty much, um, the game would give you like two or three options of what you could say and your character would talk, you know, and I do appreciate that a lot. I wish that was a more common thing in RPGs. Yeah, definitely, because um, especially back then, um, if you played an RPG, most of the time you played as a silent protagonist. Yeah, that's that's the thing, Code Bane, you are a silent protagonist. Yeah, but... even, uh, it's kind of crazy how, like, how they keep pushing that, the silent protagonist, like, no, I don't want to be a silent protagonist. Yeah, I, I mean, like, even, like, in games like Code Bane and stuff, they let you choose how your character sounds, but it's, like, all I can hear is my character grunting in mid-battle, but why can't I hear my character? like that's the thing i appreciate about dragon age you know the or dragon age origins the first game you were a silent protagonist but that had the best freaking story in all dragon age games for sure the best story uh it didn't start till dragon age 2 where you were able to be a part of the story where the protagonist wasn't silent um in the third game which the story fucking bombed terrible don't play it you weren't a silent protagonist either but i i will appreciate that about the dragon age games um, I really do wish that RPGs let your character be more a part of the story, considering that, like, at least 95% of the time, you are the most important person in the story. Yes, definitely. So, with that being said, I want to ask you a question now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what do you think, or um, what would you prefer, you know, uh, when it comes to RPGs? Would you rather create your own character and have them very involved in the story? Or would you rather play an RPG where the character is already made for you and it already has a backstory and you play as them? Mm, definitely the first one. 100%. I mean, like, not, not even, that's not even a no-brainer for me. Like, I would definitely want to create my character and create my own choices and create my whole story, you know? Because to a certain extent, the story is already set for you. But your choices can impact that story. And I appreciate that a lot. Because, like I said, why do we play RPGs? We get invested in the story. And it's a whole different world where reality doesn't even matter right now. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree with you as well. But I as well love um, the RPGs where, like, you already... Like, the game already has, you know, the character set for you. This is the main... Oh, don't get me wrong. I still love those. Yeah, like, me personally, especially, like, when they do such a great job with storytelling that, like, you still do get very involved in the game. One game that I do want to touch base on uh, for this topic is um, the Tales of series, you know, the the series made by Bandai Namco. 
more specifically, Tales of the Abyss. Um, uh, back away. I'm, oh, point- wait, back. <laughs> I'm pointing to one of the figures that I have of, of this game, um, who was actually the main character, uh, Luke von Favre. And um, I love this game. Um, this was a PlayStation 2 game. <laughs> yeah, and like um, this game, it centers around Luke. Because, in my opinion, it goes through three phases of his character. You know, this game does an astounding job. And I mean a really amazing job of um, just developing Luke's character. In the beginning, you learn to, like, you're just, you play as Luke. And, like, Luke is just this rich, snobby kid that gets involved. And, you know, like, most RPGs go, he gets, um, he gets involved in something way bigger than himself. And that involves, like, the whole world, you know, being jeopardized. But, you know, his mentality is, like, this rich kid, snobby, that's used to people doing things for him. And even, like, his party members, like, tell him that, like, dude, you need to, like, learn to, like, think ahead. You need to make choices for yourself and understand that the choices you make will have consequences. And Luke learns that the hard way spoiler alert he learns that when he accidentally basically takes this village and basically puts it into an abyss it goes down this entire village just goes down and it's his fault because of the decisions that he made Mm -hmm. and in that part that's where his character starts to develop where that's where he's basically like you know you guys are right my actions had this consequence and i need to um act up i need to make decisions that like will not only affect me but other people around myself and that's when you know he starts acknowledging the world around him and he starts being like I want to make up for this. I want to make up um, to this village, to these people, and to my party members as well. So he makes decisions. He starts making decisions more responsibly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's the second part of this game, you know, like his character development, you know, just trying to, like, choose a better path. And the third phase of this game is him just trying to find his place in the world. Like, okay, now I can make these decisions for myself. But where do I belong in this ever-changing world mm-hmm. that, like, everyone has their role, but I don't have a role? Yeah, and like I said, I can appreciate, of course I can appreciate those RPGs. Those are half the RPGs I play. I, I, half the RPGs that I play are already with a protagonist that comes with the game, not one that I can make myself, not one that I can customize. You know, like Kingdom Hearts and mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like... Like Riku's character development throughout the whole series and stuff. Oh, yeah, you know, like I could totally appreciate stuff like that too. Um, and I, like a hundred percent, I appreciate them. Like I love them. Like you know, like like I said, I really would like to see an RPG come out where I have a hundred percent control of the character that I can make him like from zero to one hundred. Like you know, something a little bit like Dragon Age Two did. Like oh man. Sure. Uh, it's funny that you say that because, like, that to me, that sounds like Xenoblade Chronicles X. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty, and, I haven't played the Xenoblade games. In that game, you you do get to make your own character, and like, you do like make you make your own choices, and based on your choices, you know, like, it, it does influence the story. And um, you do play as a character, like, like I said, you completely make up. 
and you know you essentially don't really have a backstory in that game you were just one of the many people in the game that were able to escape earth and it's time of crisis mm-hmm. and you know i do love the decisions that you get to make in this game one thing one thing i will admit i kind of made a mistake in the game myself because <laughs> um there was this moment in the game where i was playing and like you know you do you get to meet you know other other species you know other people that like fled from their home world you know to seek refuge in um, this planet that you're on and in one of the side quests that you get to do uh you bring along these three um I guess you could say aliens. Um, I forget what they're actually called in the game, um, but you bring along these feelings that, like, you know, hire you for a side quest, and like, um, you're trying to f- locate this monster, and you do end up making a decision like, oh, you go this way or you go that way, and I made the choice of going the wrong way, and it, I ended up losing those three people. Oh man! <laughs> they ended up dying. Oh, so God. like now. I had to suffer with the consequence that, like, you know, I had to go back to their village and basically tell her that, hey, my bad, your your <laughs> children are dead now. Oh my god, that's terrible. Yeah, so, I, but I do, I do love those kind of things where, like, you do get to make choices and, like, you suffer. You suffer because of the consequences, you know? And that's where we are in RPGs right now. Like you said, I do wish that there were more games like that. Absolutely. Maybe one day, maybe one day we'll get what we want. <laughs> maybe one day. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, guys, uh, that's pretty much going to conclude today's episode for the Bertaku Podcast. Um, we appreciate you guys taking the time of your day or your night to listen to us. Because, you know, these are, our sub- these are uh, subjects that we're very passionate about. I'm sure you guys are all passionate about it, too, if you're listening, right? So we appreciate the support. It will forever mean the world to us, and we can't wait to keep bringing you guys more hands-on subjects, you know, about video games, anime, whatever it may be. We will definitely be back more with some more great topics that we think, you know, are great. Yeah, that we think are great. <laughs> yeah. Great topics. <laughs> but we do um, appreciate your support, and um, thank you guys, as always, for listening to our podcast, and we hope to see you again here uh, next week. Definitely. We'll bring up some great subjects and uh, yeah, um, stay cool in this warm weather, guys, because this, this shit is nuts. <laughs> yes, stay fresh, keep drinking water, and uh, keep loving anime and video games. Yeah, for sure. So, good night, guys, or good morning, wherever you are, and we'll see you later. Bye-bye.